All right, welcome to the first episode of Giving Liam. Um, I wasn't actually going to do this bonus episode. I get it's not really the first episode; it's a bonus episode. So uh, I'll be here on my own today. You've just you're stuck with me, unfortunately, and my uh, my mono, monotonous voice. But um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a preview of of what to expect. So. I'm doing this show um, because I think there's a common thread between successful people, um, entrepreneurs, artists, athletes, um, and you know it, you can even apply it to to your family and 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 any endeavor that you take. Where you know I, I think there's an element of I, I think there's a common thread between all these these successful people in the world, and and I'm looking through the lens of this podcast to try and discover what that is. Um, you know, I have some ideas, I have some, some preconceived ideas, but I think doing this podcast, I really wanted to kind of throw those out the window and really test, um, you know, test people, ask, ask lots of questions. So, yeah. Um, so, but I guess at heart, this is still a rugby podcast. Um, everyone knows I love rugby, you know, I've dedicated a significant portion to my life, uh, to, to playing and, and now coaching, um, as a, as an older retired broken man so I think you know I'll, yeah I just want I want to explore that you know there'll be a lot of rugby chat unfortunately so if you don't like rugby chat you know maybe maybe think about a different podcast um, but there's going to be some some really interesting guests I've got a few guest hosts uh, one of which will feature next week um, and They'll feature sort of three or four times uh, throughout the year. I've got a you know a, a rotating, rotating um, guest list. You know everyone from rappers, artists, music producers, um, business people, and athletes. So you know it's going to be interesting. Most of it's conversational, free flowing. It's just me asking questions and and hoping to find that common thread that I'm looking for. So, so yeah, I think could be interesting. Could be a flop. I guess we'll see. Um, First thing we've got to do before we get into this episode is thank the cover, cover.com.au, cover podcast network, heaps of good stuff happening through there, um, daily dribble podcast, NBL, NBA, um, dual threat podcast is is about to come across, you know, they're established, been doing a lot of good stuff for a lot of years now, so they're about to come on board and, and hopefully the cover will help them take it to the next level. You got me. Uh, Liam, give him Liam podcast, which is going to be interesting. Um, you know, columns galore. Tobias Canning's always doing good stuff with his NRL column. This will probably replace my rugby column, but uh, it is going to free me up to do some other stuff, some more pop culture type things and, and some other things. So uh, that's going to be exciting. But, yeah, keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes peeled. Make sure you're checking out that website regularly. Make sure you're following us, The Cover AU, at The Cover AU on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. We're there. We're on there. We're active, posting all kinds of stuff, sharing all kinds of stuff. And if you've got a story for us, like anything, you know, something you're interested in, something you think needs to be reported and hasn't, just DM us. Send us an email, whatever. Because that's the kind of stuff... You know, we like to cover things that aren't necessarily being uh, covered by other outlets. That's kind of our thing. Well, that's what we want to make our thing. So, all right, let's get started here. 
as I said, I wasn't going to do this podcast this way. I wasn't going to do this bonus episode. So this one, uh, but I haven't really seen anything about, you know, previewing Super Rugby Pacific. So I'm not going to do every team. I'm not going to do the Kiwi teams. Uh, I'm not going to do the two teams in in the the Pacific, the the minor Pacifica and um, and the Fiji Drua. I'm not going to do them, and I'm not going to do those teams because I'm not here trying to say that I know everything about those teams. Um, I know a lot about the Australian Super Rugby franchises, so I, I want to preview them. You know, have a look at their key ins and outs. Have a look at you know potential starting fifteens. You know, maybe have a discussion about discussion. Maybe tell you about uh, where I think, you know, the type of footy I think they're going to play, where I think they can improve, and you know, perhaps where where they're going to finish on the table. Uh, and then I'm also going to have a look at a Wallabies team. Now, that actually that's a nice segue. That's a nice segue that I did there. So, uh, the Wallabies team that I've picked sort of takes into account Gitto Law. Um, so, you know, there's a, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's, I think it's seven years of super rugby, consecutive years of super rugby service or 60 test matches, um, or both, whatever. And you become eligible, uh, to play overseas, don't have to play in, in the super rugby competition and you can still be eligible for the Wallaby. So I, I read today that, that, that rugby Australia is looking at, just scrapping that all together. So basically saying, you can play overseas. If you play good, we'll pick you for the Wallabies. So I've written about this in the past, and it, it, it's something that I don't agree with. I think it's silly. Um, there's a ton of reasons I think it's silly, but I guess the biggest one, or biggest, you know, let's say there's four, um, four reasons I think it's silly. The first one sort of is 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 around player development, right? So... At the moment, you know, we get these these guys in from, from their schools teams. You know, guys guys often will come out of club rugby in into these academies and develop develop for a couple of years in there, jump up, you know, maybe they get an, an EPS contract, extended player contract, jump onto a standard contract, and, and that's kind of the way the way that it works, you know. And and if, if they're lucky or if they're good enough, uh, they get an opportunity with the junior wallabies, which which we haven't seen a lot of the last couple of years for obvious reasons, but that's kind of the natural progression. We go and then eventually up into Super Rugby, up into the senior national team, and and away we go. And then we usually see those players at some point go, well, I'm kind of good. You know, I've played in a couple of World Cups. Uh, I'm ready to now make some bank uh, playing for Toulon or, or, or Saracens or wherever. Um, so if we get rid of Guido Law... We we're basically saying that Super Rugby is a development competition, and we we lose a lot of control over the way our players develop. Now I know we haven't got this right in the past in Australia. We 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 really you know every state body is doing something different. Players are developing differently. There's no uniform approach to you know athletic development and skill development. Um, so we don't have a perfect system. And I, and I got really excited a few months ago when I heard them talk about going to a centralised academy system. And for those of you who don't know, this is something that David Nusifora, 
proposed long time ago. Um, you know, maybe 10, 10 years ago, maybe, maybe, maybe longer. Um, and ultimately lost his job for. So, so David Nusifora, ironically, is now um, he, the head of high performance with, with Ireland Rugby. And he's implemented it, uh, or him and, and Irish Rugby have implemented a, a centralised system. And they're starting to see the, 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 the reap the rewards of that now. Um, they're, they're currently sitting fourth in the world. They've beaten the All Blacks three of the last four times or two of the last three times that they've played. So... And, and, you know, there, there are examples all around the world of, of centralised academies working. Um, you know, the AIS here in Australia is probably a really good example. Um, you know, when all the sports were centralised, there was a lot of success. When they were pushed back out, there was still some success, but probably not on the same scale. You know, the, the Russians, the USSR, like I, I appreciate all the doping stuff, but, you know, centralised sports, centralised academies, they seem to work, you know, and, and I guess in rugby, the best example is the New Zealanders. They they have a uniform approach to athlete development and skill development and an emphasis on, on skill development. So that doesn't, that doesn't mean that every Super Rugby franchise is running the same shape or doing the same line-out moves or backline moves or starter plays or whatever. What it means is every player is benchmarked to the same standard and is working off the... S- the same programs is working off the same skill development methodology so that when they do make the jump, you know, from club footy to the ITM Cup to super footy to the All Blacks, their skills and their athletic development or their athletic background or base is at the level that is required to play there. At the moment in Australia, we don't have that. So anyway, I got off track. So I got excited when they started talking about a centralised system here in Australia for for that reason. Now they're talking about repealing Guido Law completely. So I see that as a problem because what what I think will happen is players will come through our system, and if it's a centralised system, great, but they'll come through our system, play, you know, a couple of years of super footy and then take off. So if I'm someone like Noel Alessio, right, and I've played a couple of test matches already, a handful, and I've already won a Super Rugby title, Super Rugby AU, in in 2020, what's keeping me here in Australia earning less money than if I went and played for Toulon or Stade de France or Saracens or Leicester or whoever? what What is the carrot here in Australia? Because I can earn more money over there. Right now, you might not see that as a bad thing, but it is a bad thing because he's a young player. Hopefully, Dave Rennie has a plan for him. Hopefully, Rugby Australia has a plan for him. But if he then takes off and goes to, let's say, he plays in France, let's play plays for Stade de France. Do you think if Dave Rennie calls up their director of rugby and says, "Hey, I want you to do X, Y, Z with"? Noah, do you really think they're going to do that if that doesn't suit them? Of course they're not going to do it. And, and they're not going to do it because their job is to win a premiership at that level. They don't care. They don't care about the national team. They don't care about the Wallabies. They don't even re- I don't even think they really care about their own national team given the clubs wouldn't release uh, you know two-thirds of the French squad to, to tour Australia last year. So... 
they don't care about the way this player develops and the way the way he might fit into the to the Wallabies team. They only care about winning games. So they're going to train him however they want. So, so I guess that's, you know, maybe that's an extreme example, but we, we basically lose control of the way our players are being developed. And, and if we are going to invest in a centralized system, then it's kind of oxymoronic to go, okay, well, we're going to develop all of these players who are then going to go play overseas. Does that make sense? Maybe not. The next issue I have are the test windows. So Reg 9 requires clubs to release their international players or players to their international team uh, between, so now, like between November and February, Six Nations, all of that, and then in the July test window. So this doesn't really suit the Wallabies because the majority of our tests... So, yeah, we play in July. We, we have a touring team, June, July, whatever. We play them. That's cool. Three tests. Awesome. We'll, we'll probably win those. But then the competition that matters, the Four Nations, Rugby Championship, Tri-Nations, whatever iteration it ends up being uh, the next time, you know, Bledisloe Cup, all of that, our players aren't going to be available. And we've already seen on a, on a small level the Japanese clubs not release Quade Cooper, not release Samu Karevi. Who, to be fair, were our two best players. You know, they, they, they were, hands down. Samu Karevi, I think, cemented himself as, as one of the best inside centres in the world um, uh, uh, over that time. But they wouldn't release them because Reg 9 doesn't require them to. So I think that that is a huge challenge because World Rugby Australia is going to have to lobby World Rugby to extend those windows, which you know, probably has some huge uh, commercial implications for the European competitions. The cost is, is, is another factor. Now, players, players being released for international duty, there's a, there's a cost associated with this because you have to insure their contracts. So if they do get injured playing for the Wallabies, then you effectively have to take out an insurance policy so that the club that they're playing for, Toulon, Stade de France, don't have to don't have to foot that bill. Um, so you you effectively have to guarantee those contracts with with the clubs. The other thing that's going to be costly is all of the moving moving pieces. So let's say we have you know thirteen to twenty of a of a squad located. Overseas, that's flights, business class flights, mind you, flights, accommodation, meals, um, you know, potentially families as well. That's all going to have to be absorbed by Rugby Australia, which is something we don't need to do right now. Only for tours do we need to do that, and you know when we bring them in for camps and and whatever. But so there's a significant amount of cost, and then you know the other factor with the cost is, you know, do the Wallabies start having their camps in Dubai or do they start having their camps in Europe because all their players are based in Europe? And what, what does that look like in terms of a cost? You know, do we have to, we have to hire a stadium? We have to hire a high performance facility. And so all that money they've just spent on more park redeveloping that is a waste. The final thing is, Rugby in Australia, 
becomes a really unattractive commercial product for for anyone, but particularly for broadcasters, because we are saying, as I said earlier, that you know all of our best young players, all of our best players, we're just going to let them go and play overseas because the only carrot keeping them here, playing for the Wallabies, it doesn't matter. I can play for the Wallabies anywhere in the world. doesn't matter. Who cares? So all of our best players, in my view, are going to go and play in Japan. They're going to go and play in Europe because they can earn more money. So Super Rugby then, in Australia at least, becomes a development competition, which I guess is fine. But who pays for that? So the broadcaster isn't going to pay for it because all of their all of the best players are overseas. So they're going to start looking at, well, let's broadcast Japanese games. Let's broadcast the European games because all of Australia's best players are over there. Or maybe they don't look at it at all and they go and they go and spend their money elsewhere. We we sully the relationship between Australia and New Zealand because those games aren't going to be competitive anymore because all of the best All Blacks are still playing in New Zealand. So tell me who, if if all of Australia's best players are overseas, if, you know, if, if Super Rugby, Australian Super Rugby teams are effectively a, a, a group of guys who are either up and coming or, uh, you, know, you know, maybe having a step up from club footy or coming back to Australia, uh, you know, after they've made their money in their, in their late 30s, that's not a, it's not an attractive product for broadcasters. It's not an attractive product for sponsors. So who is going to pay for professional rugby in Australia? Or do we just not have it? Um, so that's my rant. Now, you're going to get conspiracy Liam here, who's an interesting guy. Um, he has some views. So with my conspiracy theory hat on, and the timing of this Giddo Law announcement um, or the, or report that's being reported, does scrapping Giddo Law foreshadow that this private equity deal that Rugby Australia has been working on is it is it telling us that that deal is maybe dead or maybe not as lucrative as we thought? So, RA in the short term is trying to lower costs by allowing the top players to go so they don't have any of those top-heavy contracts with their Super Rugby franchises. I, they'll, they'll still have to top them up at the top end. But those grants or the, those that grant money that they're giving the, the Super Rugby teams will, know, will, will be better spent because they won't have any of those top-heavy, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar contracts. All the contracts will be, you know, somewhere between, say, 50000 and 150000 um, And they are, they are effectively, yeah, using Super Rugby as a, as a development competition or a, or a farm system like, like minor league baseball, like the D-League or G-League as it's called now, or, um, you know, the VFL, for example, except where we're sending our players overseas to then come back to play for the Wallabies. I don't know. That's that's my theory. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's not. Oh, you're getting too 
you're actually getting two conspiracy Liams here for the price of one. So the other thing I want to talk about, and my producer is shaking her head. She's telling me don't do it, but um, it, it's just a quick one. So um, everyone knows, everyone who knows me knows that sevens um, is a, is an area that I that I like. I, that that's that's the area I'm coaching in at the moment and, and have been doing for the last five years, um, you know, mostly in the women's game, but I've certainly dabbled um, in the men's game as well. I I have a theory um, that John Menenti and, and, and Walshie, um, Tim Walsh, who at the time John was the women's sevens coach, Tim was the men's sevens coach, in the lead-up, to the Olympics, there was a report that had said those two had had signed new contracts um, to to go into the next into the next Olympic cycle. Um, both teams, I think, I, I think the men's team probably performed about where we thought. Um, the women's team certainly underperformed. Um, and look, I don't have any inside information about why that happened. Um, I think, you know, they. they they caught uh, a red hot Fiji team on the wrong uh, on the wrong day and 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 didn't play their best game, which ultimately knocked them out and and meant they had to go and and play for fifth place. Um, but there was a report that both of those coaches had their contracts renewed through to the next Olympic cycle. Uh, then they underperformed. Then Rugby Australia said, "Oh, we're we're taking applications for these two roles. You know, cool, awesome." I guess that makes sense. You know, after you underperform, you do a review, whatever. Then they made the decision to just swap the two coaches. So Conspiracy Liam thinks that 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 they had already had those two guys under contract, felt they needed to save face, and went through a process to determine, to, to try and find new coaches, didn't find any, so they just swapped the two over. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's my theory. Uh, whether it whether it's true or not, I have no idea. But you know, you you can't tell me that there weren't some some good coaches out there. You know, I know Ben Ryan doesn't have a job at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. Let's get it. Let's get into the, the to the nuts and bolts here. So, what I want to do now is have a look at all all the Super Rugby teams in Australia, Australian based Super Rugby teams, and just do a little bit of a preview of, of of each team. So, for those of you watching this on YouTube, you should see the War, the, the Waratahs logo here for the first team. Um, for everyone listening, the first team I'm I'm going to do I'm going to talk about is is the Waratahs. So. Let's first just have a look at the key key ins and key outs or transfers, whatever you want to call them. So the outs are Robbie Abel, Chris Talakai, Jack Wetton, Sam Kidd, Sam Wicks, Jack Dempsey, uh, Tepai Maroa, Jack Maddox, Joe Cotton, Chris Totola. So I mean, Jack Dempsey is a is a decent out. Um, you know he. Uh, I've always been surprised that he didn't sort of come come on more. But I think the, the the big disappointment there is probably Jack Maddox. Like, so after I saw him play uh, initially for the Rebels, um, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, 
this dude's like, you know, he he's he's the next big big fullback um, prospect in Australia. Like he's he's going to come on in leaps and bounds. You know, he's quick, really good skills, good kicking game. You know, at the time he looked looked pretty looked like he was pretty intelligent um, footballer. Read the game well, particularly for a young man. Um, and I don't know what happened down at the Rebels, but ultimately went to the Tars, you know, tried his hand at sevens and, and he's kind of now gone out the back door. So but for me that like, that's a disappointing, um, I feel like he's got a lot of potential and maybe, you know, maybe he goes overseas and, and unlock some of that, um, making me look silly on my rant about Giddo law. But yeah, I just, you know, the, I feel like he's kind of like a, in a way, an indictment of our system. Like, you know, he, he clearly had, had, has a lot of talent. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, whether it's system-based, processes-based, you know, training-based, whatever, we were just never, never able to, to unlock that. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on Jack. I think he's going to do some good stuff. Um, and maybe he comes back. A different player. Uh, the Keyans. So th- I think the Waratahs have probably the best group of ins, um, if you want to call them that, or, or returning players or new players. So you got Ruan Smith, uh, Jed Holloway, Ned Haddingen, Michael Hooper, Tavita Funa, Dylan Peach, Archer Holtz, Hugh Bockenham, Jamie Roberts, and if reports are to be believed, Kurtley Beale. Uh, as well, so I've included him there. But that deal, as of time of recording, uh, isn't done. So, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, so, <laughs> Ruan Smith. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a prop, um, and if he plays for the Tars, I believe he will be the first and perhaps only Super Rugby player in the professional era to play at least one game for every Super Rugby franchise. He has played for the Force. That's where he started his career. I think he played two or three games there. He's played about 50 games for the Brumbies. He's played games for the Reds. He's played games for the Rebels. And now, potentially, the Waratahs. So that's pretty cool. Obviously, um, Michael Hooper there. Huge in. So I, I've always been pretty critical of Michael Hooper, but um, the way he played during the most recent test window and, and and like, it was incredible. Like, it really was. He, he He's a – I don't know if he's a different player, but he he has way more impact. Like, he's just – yeah, he's 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 good. He's good, man. Um, and, and I think, you know, as a – as a number seven, you know, maybe he's not the traditional sort of fetcher, um, you know, creates lots of turnovers, slows the ball down, but like, he's going to give you so much like leadership, but you know, he carries the ball a lot, makes a lot of tackles now. Yeah. He is a bit of a pest over the ball, but I think, you know, the, I don't, I don't think we can sleep on the impact that, that he's probably going to have on, on this team. The other player there, um, Tavita Funa, you know, a good, a good get, from from the Manly Sea Eagles, um, so you know, athletic, quick, strong, um, you know, good under the high ball, good in the air. So, 
you know, I wouldn't sleep on on him either. The the other guy I like is Dylan Peach. Like, so he's he's come out of the sevens program. Um, you know, he's a big guy, quick. You know, the likely to play on the edge, maybe at outside center, depending on what they do. But I think you know he's he's a guy potentially off the bench who could come in and just soften up a, a midfield. You know, late in game. So I, I like him. You know, Jamie Roberts, huge get. I don't I don't know. You know what. You know, he, he's obviously towards the end of his career. Um, but, you know, huge amount of experience. And we've seen, you know, Rob Kearney and Richard Kahui do do some good things with the Western Force um, last season at, at a similar age. And, and Jamie's probably got just as much, if, if not more, experience than both of those guys. So, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on him. Particularly, you know, you've you got a couple of young fly halves there, you know, stick him at twelve, and just let him take some of the pressure off off Ben Donaldson or, or Will Harrison, whoever they do, they deem uh, is going to take the reins in the ten jumper. So, with that said, let's let's just have a look at a, a potential lineup. This is this, is, you know, this is how I feel. If everyone's healthy, if every if everyone's available, um, they could line up. So up front, Angus Bell, Dave Parecki, and Harry Johnson Holmes. This is certainly. A up and coming um, front row, not so much Dave Parecki, but Angus Bell and Harry Johnson Holmes. You know, like two young, two young front rowers. Angus Bell, I think, is on a trajectory to take a huge leap forward. Um, and Harry Johnson Holmes, you know, he's he's got the tough job in the three jumper. Um, but I, yeah, I, I kind of like I kind of like these guys. And and you know, Dave Parecki had some impact uh, last year. So yeah, I think you know, I think that these guys probably have a lot of self-belief that, that that they're you know they're going to be one of the better front rowers and one of the better front rows and I you know I think moving forward particularly for Angus and, and Harry Johnson Holmes you know they they could they could progress up in in into 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 wallabies jumpers and and be you know our wallabies one and three for for a long time to come so I'm excited to, to see that if we move across to the second row so I've got Jed Holloway and Ned Hannigan here um some people some people people keep telling me you know these two guys are better suited to the back row but but i think you know they've both got big frames they're both 110 kgs plus um you know jed is a little bit more abrasive the way he carries the ball and the way he defends ned's 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 sort of a hybrid you know he he's a little bit more finesse he you know he'll look to tip the ball and and keep the ball moving um, you know, from that carry spot, play in behind to the to the fly half or the fullback, but I think they're a nice combo um, playing together. I, you know, world class, no, but I, I don't think we have that many world class second rowers in Australia. So, yeah, I th- they're solid. Let's just say that they're solid. Back row, I really like this back row. Um, Swinton, Will Harris, and Michael Hooper. So, Lockie Lockie Swinton, I think, can develop into a real hard man. Um, you know, I think sometimes he goes a little bit over overboard, but I think he's on that trajectory. Michael Hooper, we I just spoke about him. We we obviously know what he can do. And then, you know, Will Harris, I think he is a prototypical number eight in terms of his size, his skills, his speed. Um, so I'd really like to see to see how he develops this year, you know, given you know, given an opportunity. The the other guy I like in their system is Langy Gleason. Um some of you might not know him. Well, those those of you who watch Shoot Shield will know him. 
um, plays for Manly. But uh, you know, he's he's a young young guy. I think he's twenty. Um, and I yeah, I I really like his game. Um, he he really is one of the stronger ball carriers I've seen. Um, very abrasive, very aggressive. So, um, you know, potentially we we could see some some Langy Gleeson maybe at six or or at eight as well. So look out for that. The halves here. So I've gone with Gordon and Donaldson. Gordon, I really like Gordon. I, I played with Jake um, at the Sydney Stars, of all places, uh, back in 2015. Uh, he was sort of up and coming, and I was on my way out. Um, but I really liked him. I, I thought he was a good footballer, smart, intelligent, good pass, consistent pass. Um, and, you know, he's got he's got a little bit of that see you next Tuesday about him, which, which I like in a halfback. Um, ben Donaldson, you know, he, he came in. And contributed last year. I think Will Harrison's probably, yeah, like yeah. I don't know. You know, Will Harrison's solid, but I think Ben Donaldson probably has a higher ceiling. Um, but you know, ten ten's been a problem for the ten jump has been a problem for the Waratahs really. Um, you know, since Bernard Foley left, um, and you know, I wouldn't have said Bernard Foley was a, was a world class fly half either. Um, he was just better than, than than the other four floating around. So I think Ben Donaldson has a higher ceiling. Um, yeah. I think he'll be solid. And I think if we move if we move across to the center pairing that I've got here, you know, Jamie Roberts and, and Izzy Parisi. Like so I think these two guys, like if I'm playing fly half for these two guys, I'm just just give them the ball. Like let them go to work. You know, Parise we saw we saw some of what he's capable of, um, you know, offloads, strong ball carries, getting you go forward. So, you know, I'd be feeding him as much as possible. And and Jamie Roberts, you know, so he he's he's kind of that hybrid twelve who can you know hits a hard line, can get you some go forward, straightens up your attack really well. But he's also really skilled, so he can you know draw in defenders and and create space for you know the guys at the back. Um, and guys outside him. So so I think, you know, like at 10, I think the Waratahs probably need to make a decision about about who who it is and stick with it and then let Parise and let Roberts go to work and, and really make, you know, really build some confidence in, in whoever that is, make that guy look good. And then uh, the back three, I've got Tavita Funa, watched him play in Barrel against the Brumbies, really liked his game. Liked what he showed. I've got Alex Newsom on the other wing because I think he should be rewarded for for his really solid year last year. Sort of an older, older statesman. I think he's twenty seven. Um, and yeah, and then Curtly Bill at the back. I guess you know with the with the wings that they got plenty of of talented wings. You know Ram, um, Mark. No, 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 I can never say his name, and I will learn that. Mark, I'm, I apologize, but that. And and I guess the other one, you know, I spoke about earlier, Dylan Peach. Like he's he he's another guy. So they've got plenty of of good young outside backs that they can go to. And then I think if if this deal with Curtly Bill doesn't get done, then I think um, Harrison ends up in the fifteen jumper and Donaldson in the ten jumper or some iteration of that. You know, Ram Ram can also play fullback. So. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But I I kind of like this team, um, you know. And and I and I think the other big in that I that I haven't mentioned here is 
is Darren Coleman, um, the new head coach. You know, he's had a lot of success basically everywhere he's been. Um, you know, he was part of the Brumbies set up as an academy coach. So coach guys like Nick White, um, Ben Alexander, um, you know, just to name two, I guess, with with 100-plus test caps. Uh, had some success with Eastern Suburbs in Sydney. Won a premiership with Gordon. Has gone across to... Uh, the Giltinis in LA, and won won the MLR in in their inaugural season, which which I don't think you can you can uh, sleep on. Like, yeah, I appreciate it's a new competition, but to win for a new team to win in in their first year is really impressive. Um, and then yeah, it's been given an opportunity back here with the Tars. So I think you know I think they'll 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 surprise us. I I don't know whether they're good enough yet. To to vie for that, you know, maybe second spot, but I think third is a realistic is a realistic goal for them if they if they can stay healthy, and if these players can can give give what I think they can give. So if we shift across now, let's have a look at the Melbourne Rebels. Um, I feel like with the Rebels, like every year. I look at them, I like them, and then I think, you know, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna play well, and they underperform. So let, let's let's have a look anyway. Let's have a look at who they got. So a lot of guys leaving this year: uh, Lucio Sordoni, Ignacio Callas, Steve Cummins, Lewis Holland, Frank Lamani, Tom Pincus, Dane Halep Petty, Izzy Nazarani, and Marika Korobete. Um. I guess you know those last three guys are huge. huge they, you know, they're gonna they're gonna miss them massively. Um, you know, Corabetti. You know, Corabetti's like having another back rower out there who who can finish. Um, and and Izzy Nazarani, you know, say what you want um, about his fitness and all that, but really talented footballer. Um, and you know, at times was the form number eight in Australia. Um, so you know he he's a big big loss. Key ins: Tamati Iwani, Joe Pincus uh, from out of the Sevens program, Moses Sorovi, Ifai Mafu, and Matt Phillip. So I think I think two guys here that that stick out to me. Obviously Matt Phillip, really solid second rower. Um, you know made a really valuable contribution to the Wallabies recently uh, on their most recent tour, and then Moses Sorovi. I've really liked his game. He's just so he's a halfback. He's just never really got an opportunity up, up at um, at the Reds to sort of make that jumper his own. Um, and I believe he 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 had a few games sort of playing out on the wing as well. So um, that's not ideal for a halfback. So we have a look at a potential lineup: Cameron Orr. Uh, who was really solid last year, sort of developed into a into their sort of first choice tight head. Jordan Ulesse, who again is another guy with a lot of potential. He just needs to learn how to throw throw straight, um, as most hookers do in Australia. And Pone Fa'almasili. Fa'almasili, sorry, mate. Fa'almasili. Goodness me. Uh, I really like his game because he he's a really solid scrummager, but he offers you a lot around the park. Um, you know, some some of his ball carries very impressive. 
um, and his work rate, you know, when he's healthy, really, really good. So, you know, this is a decent front row. I'd probably put the Tars above them up front, but it's decent. You know, then they're certainly going to hold their own. They're not going to. They're not going to be found out. Second row, Matt Phillip and Trevor Hosey. Uh, I like both of these guys. As I said, Matt Matt Phillips really solid. He, he gives you, he he gives you. Yeah, he plays hard, tackles hard, ball, carries hard, hits rucks. Um, you know, he does a lot of that dirty work that that uh, I think goes under the radar. Trevor Hosey's is a bit the same, but he he's got a little bit more skill. Um, you know, plays like another back rower. So I think these two guys together are going to be really solid. Um, yeah, and provide you know provide that sort of grunt and go forward that you need from time to time from your from your type forwards. This back row is not bad. You know, Rob Liotta was really really good uh, for the Wallabies. Um, you know, I think in the end, you know, Liotta uh, and Valentini, you know, were were an unreal one two punch. Um, so I think, you know, he's going to have, I think he's going to have a big year this year. Richard Hardwick. So I kind of, I, I like his game. I like his frame. You know, he, he kind of reminds me of a, of a rugby league prop in the way that he, he runs, um, a little bit more skilled, I guess, but in the way that he carries, you know, sort of upright high knees, um, and he can work his upper body through contact, uh, yeah, I've watched him play for a while and I've always sort of hoped his game would progress and I think, you know, now he'll get that opportunity with, with Nazarani gone. Uh, and then Michael Wells, so he's been named named their captain. Um, you know, he's another guy who's a bit of a journeyman. He's played for the Tars, he's played for the Brumbies and sort of found his home with the Rebels. Again, really solid guy. He, he, he plays a bit loose, um, you know, likes to, likes to get his carries out on the edges. Um, and and he's effective, you know. He's effective out there, so I can't, I can't blame him. Um, yeah, it's it's not bad, but I think this is probably second to bottom in term in terms of back rows um, across the competition. In the halves, uh, Joe Powell, you know, I think for a period there, everyone thought he was going to be the incumbent Wallabies halfback. That sort of hasn't hasn't panned out that way. You know, I played with Joe. I like his game. Um, you know, quick, quick pass, long pass, um, but perhaps not as consistent as some of the other halfbacks. And he, uh, you know, whether this is whether this is a system thing by design or whatever, he he doesn't seem to run um, and snipe as much as he did. Uh, certainly when I played with him, you know, he was really effective there. Carter Gordon back end of last year was really solid. Uh, in that 10 jumper, and it sounds like they're going to back him again. So looking forward to see, yeah, to see, to see his development. Um, and, you know, he's got, he's got one of the, one of the greats outside him uh, in Matt to Umua um, to, to really mentor him and, and, and yeah, take some of that playmaking pressure of him when he can. So, you know, I like this, this center pairing, you know, Matt, Matt, I think has always been really unlucky with the Wallabies. You know, he, I thought that when he was when him and Christian Lilifano were playing ten and twelve for the Brumbies, uh, uh, 2014, I thought you know they were the two the top two, you know together. I thought they were they were they were brilliant, um, you know at ten and twelve, and I sort of 
after after a season, I thought, man, that's awesome. Like we're gonna we've got this ten and twelve combo, um, you know, that's gonna be that's gonna be elite for the next ten years. Then Christian gets injured. Um, Matt, I think was was given more responsibility and potentially wasn't as effective. And you know, now we've had this kind of revolving door of tens and twelves in the Wallaby side, but he's very very experienced. Um, super calm, cool, collected guy, and a, and a good guy, good locker room guy. So I think you know he'll spend a lot of time with Gordon, and you know hopefully those two those two grow together. Stacy Lee, you know he he's a he's another sort of abrasive center, um, you know an international with with Samoa. So I'm I'm excited to see how this you know this trio um, play off each other because I think that they, they could do some exciting things if. If uh, if their forwards pack can get them a bit of go forward, um, and then the back three, Andrew Kellaway, you know he was brilliant for the Wallabies last year. Another kind of journeyman career, like if you if you go back and look at his under twenties um, career, like he was incredible. Uh, and yeah, I'm so kind of surprised it took this long, but you know he he sort of talked a little bit about that where he said that. You know, he didn't really listen to, to coaching and just kind of did his own thing. So he's he's kind of figured it out and, yeah, um, you know, showing the world what, what he can do. Reese Hodge, Mr. Fix-It, solid. I love Reese Hodge. Like, you know, I've got him at fullback, but you expect him to feature on the wing, expect him to feature in the centres. He might even play fly-off. Like, he, he's just that kind of dude. Uh, and then Lockie Anderson. I like I like Lockie Anderson. You know, another guy who's come out of the Sevens program. Um you know, and then this year might be his opportunity to to show what he can do in the fifteen aside game. So, you know, I kind of look at this team, and I think, you know, they're, you know, they're 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 vying for maybe the fourth or fifth spot, probably the fourth spot in the in the Australian standings. I, I like I don't think we have a conference system anymore. I think it's just the, the top teams go through. But yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see that. You know, maybe this is the year they overperform because um, every other year they seem to underperform. So, you know, new coach, new setup, all of that 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 might help. Um, but I think yeah, they're they're probably sitting in fourth or fifth spot. Um, sorry, Melbourne. Western Force is the next team up. I like the Western Force. I like their coach, Tim Sampson. Played for him, uh, worked with him at the the mighty Tokenong Vikings. Uh, I think, you know, any team that he coaches plays expansive footy and and it's fun. You know, he, he encourages everyone from, from 1 to 15 to, to play footy, have good skills. You know, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, one of my prop and buddies, Phil Kitte, I hope you're listening, my dude in 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 France, uh, he came in and you know Sambo allowed him to kick the footy, you know, putting grubbers uh, and that kind of thing because because he, he was having fun. So you know, it, probably an extreme example. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see too many front rowers putting grubber kicks and chips chip kicks through, but he he really cultivates um, you know skill development and and some of that creativity. So you know, he probably hasn't had the cattle. Um, the last couple of years and and hasn't you know hasn't had that sort of three or four year cycle where you get to get to know guys get to work with guys get to develop guys so 
I think um, I think you know this year might be their year. But you know, if we have a look at their key ins and outs, like they're they're another team that's just had a huge number of outs. So Marcel Marcel Brash, who's a US US Eagles international, Thomas Cubelli, um, Argentinian international, Rob Kearney, Irish international, Tavita Kurandrani, Wallabies international, uh, John O'Lance, Thomas Lazana, Kieran Longbottom. Domingo Miotti, who who I thought was really, really good um, for them last year. Jordan Oluwefela, uh, Jonah Placid, and, and Henry Tofu. So, you know, you, you look at that. Thomas Cubelli at nine, that's a big loss. Kieran at the back is a big loss. Kudrani's a big loss um, in the, from that 13 jumper. You know, Miotti as well. Um, and then Jono Lance, like he, I feel like he was kind of a, a talisman for them. Um, sort of, yeah. But so... You know, they lost a few a few big names, but we'll we'll have a look at, at what I think they're going to do. Um, you know, throughout throughout the year for their for their best fifteen, some key ins: uh, Daniel Allah, Isaac Fines, Lele Wassa, uh, Bailey Kewenzel, Harry Lloyd, Manasa Matelli, Rajan Pesitoa, and Reese Tarpany. So there, there's a bunch of Brumbies: so Bailey, Harry, uh, Pesitoa, and Tarpany. And Fines, Lelewasa are all ex Brumbies guys, uh, which look it's not a huge surprise because these are these are all guys that that Sambo would have seen when he was in Canberra. Um, Harry Lloyd's a really solid loose head prop, and then the rest of these guys, you know, young backs. Um, you know, Isaac Isaac Fines is he's legit, man. I'll, I'll talk about him in a minute, but he's legit. Um, and then yeah, some some young some young backs. Um, you know, who who just looking for an opportunity? They they didn't get it with the with the Brumbies, uh, and the force potentially presents them with that opportunity. So, if we have a look at who they've got up front: Tom Robertson, Felidi, Kaitu'u, and Santiago Medrano. So I really, I, <laughs> it's funny. I keep saying I like the front rows, but I really, really like this front row. You know, Tom Tom Robertson, international, really really solid. Uh, loose head prop, you know, does the dirty work, scrummage as well. Another guy I played with uh, at the Sydney Stars. Um, yeah, Felidi Kaitu, so he's just been named their captain. Um, and I think he's on a trajectory to to potentially take that Wallabies number two jumper. Because to me, that's wide open. If someone can throw can straight line outs, job's theirs. Uh, and then Santiago Medrano, like, you know, He's the Argentinian tight end. He's the most famous person in Argentina, not named Lionel Messi. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, Argentinians love scrums. They love their tight head props. And he is is one of the best in the business. So I think he's going to cause some damage. He's going to cause some headaches for some of these loose head props. We look in the second row, Isaac Rodder and Sidaleki Tamani, both... Really good international footballer. Sidaleki Tamani came back and made a huge impact. You've also got Jeremy Thrush there, another guy with a ton of experience. Um, so don't be surprised if he features throughout the year. You know, there's a bit of a rotation going on there. Um, this is a decent back row. Tim Anstey, who sort of separated himself last year, started playing some really good footy. Another guy who's come out of the sevens program. Bernard Stunder. Another really solid abrasive ball carrier, and Kane Koteka, who's a local Perth guy, um, who yeah, who's a bit more of a traditional seven fetcher, you know, 
pretty pretty kind of understated and quiet guy kind of lets Tim and, and and Bernard do their thing while while and and he'll he'll go about his job probably unnoticed um but I think this is a good back row you know there's there's speed athleticism strength and an ability to 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 slow the ball down um so I really yeah I think I think they're going to fly under the radar I think they're going to be good the halves uh Isaac finds Lelawasa and Jake McIntyre um Isaac Fiennes, Lelewasa, he's a, he's a legit footballer. Like, so I'm pretty sure he won the player of the year up in Queensland. You know, didn't didn't get a crack with the Reds, came down to Canberra. I don't know if he won the McDougal medal, um, but he was damn close. And, you know, like incredible, incredible footballer. Um, you know, good pass, but some of the stuff he can do with the ball in hand, you, you don't often see... Uh, from a halfback, so I'm, you know, Ian Pryor's been their guy, but I think Isaac finds Lelewasa. I think he he's the guy. You know, he the Brumbies asked him to play a bit on the wing, and he he was good. You know, scored a couple of good tries. Um, you know, he won he won a couple of games late for the Brumbies coming coming on off the bench. Um, you know, with his sniping ability. So, you know, if he if he can find that balance between I'm going to attack as a ball carrier. And I'm gonna I'm gonna zing it um, from the base here. I think you know we could be talking about him as a, as part of the Wallaby squad. I, I truly believe that. Shout so shouts to Isaac Fines Lelewasa. He's a he's an up and coming guy. Jake McIntyre um, solid. You know like we we don't seem to be producing these world class tens, but we've got lots of solid tens. You know he he's I guess he's um, yeah he'll he'll do his job. Good kicking game. Reads the game pretty well. Um, but again, I think you know if we if we have a look at this center pairing here, you know he he's going to defer to Kyle Godwin and, and Richard Kahui a little bit, um, you know. And again, like Kyle Godwin, you know was a was an elite, you know, twelve, um, you know, five, ten, five, ten, five years ago. Um, you know, we were talking about him as part of the Wallaby squad. So, um, you know, and and he's he's not he's not really a secondary playmaker. He can he can play that role. Um, but he's he's kind of, you know, he straightens up your attack. He'll shift the ball when it needs to be shifted, um, reads the game pretty well, and, and solid defensively. And then Richard Kahui, you know, like all black, you know, won a, won a championship, premiership, super rugby title, whatever you want to call it, with the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, you, you saw the impact that he had on that team, you know, he, he and he's he's got a bit of that flair. Like, he, you know, he'll throw offloads, he'll put some kicks through, he'll be a bit speculative, so... You know, he, he's a guy, he's a guy who'll have fun. Um, and I think, you know, I think his impact will be big again this year. And then if we look at the back three, you know, Tony Pulu, Jack McGregor and Byron Ralston, I think that's a good back three. Um, you know, J- Jack McGregor had, you know, Jack McGregor's a bit of a character. Um, he had a couple of really good games last year from the back. Byron Ralston sort of captured... Um, our attention in 2020 cooled off a little bit in 2021, but you know that doesn't that doesn't take away from from his ability. He's still incredibly quick. You know he takes a lot of intercepts. Um, so you, you know you got to be got to be confident in your defensive line, and you know you've got to have the backing of your coach and and the rest of your team to be able to shoot out like that and take those intercepts. So I like that. And then you know Tony Tony Pulu, he's he's another experienced guy. He's bounced around a little bit, found a home here. 
um, hopefully with the force and, and yeah, you know, really good finisher, strong ball carrier, you know, so he'll come in and look for work if he needs to. Um, yeah, so I think as much, as much as I want the force to be up in that third spot, you know, I think, you know what, they're going to finish third in the Australian group. They're better than the Tars. They're better than the Rebels. Uh, so shouts, shouts the force. Yep. Yep. And, and I think they're going to play a, an attractive style of footy, which I always like to reward. You know, I really enjoyed watching them, uh, you know, as they found their straps. You know, they weren't scared to, to fling that ball wide. Um, you know, they had a lot of lot of solid carries up the middle, but really open and expansive footy. They don't, they don't sort of play that 10-man footy off the nine. They really like to, to use those 15-metre channels. So I don't think they're on the Brumbies and Reds level yet, but I think they're on a trajectory to get there, especially when you look at, at the number of... I think they got seven guys, seven uh, junior Wallabies uh, coming out of their academy. So I think they're, they're trending up. Brumbies is next. Everyone knows Brumbies is, is my team. Uh, have followed them, you know, from the very start. Five years old at Monica Oval uh, against uh, – they played against Transvaal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, there was a period in my life where I'd, I'd never missed a game. I, I, never missed a game at the game. Um, that's changed a bit now that I'm, I'm old. But, uh, but yeah, so if we, if we have a look at their – their key ins and outs. And look, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be super biased. I love the Brumbies. So, sorry if I think if I think they're the best team in Super Rugby. Suck it. It's my podcast. What are you going to do? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, key outs. So, you know, we mentioned Bailey, Isaac, uh, Rajan, Reese have all, and Harry have all gone up to or across to um, the force. James Tucker... Mac Hansen, Archer Holtz, and Solomon Cutter. So Solomon Cutter, I think, came, came with a lot of fanfare, but was a bit disappointing. Now, the guy I want to talk about, Mac Hansen. Okay, like, so I coached Mac, and I'd convinced myself that I was biased, right? Because I, I always liked him. I always thought there was something about him that was that was unique. Always. Always thought there was something that just that just worked. I can't tell you what it is or what it was, but there was something different about him, you know. And and you know, as a 14, 15 year old, like he could he could kick the ball from twenty two to twenty two. You know, he could. He was a so he played fly half for my teams, but you know, he was a patient fly half. Shift, 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 take off, and he'd take off, and no one would touch him. So it's always hard to gauge, you know junior footy but you know he this this is a guy who played for Australian schoolboys he was part of a team an ACT schoolboys team I believe that won this the national championship which which doesn't happen a lot in the ACT um and also you know was one of the best players for the for the Australian under 20s um and he just you know if you Twelve months ago, if you asked anyone, he you know he was probably the tenth best winger um, in Australia, maybe even lower. 
So I just I got a, I got an interesting stat here. So so Mac played seven hundred and ninety five minutes across three seasons with the Brumbies, and goes to Connaught with you know another Australian export, Andy Friend, plays seven hundred and ten minutes for Connaught, gets an Irish call up, wins Man of the Match. <laughs> and look, this is you know this isn't the first time that Australian rugby and. And actually, the Brumbies, you know, in recent history, has let a potentially world class uh, talent, you know, walk out the door. Ty- People forget Tyrell Lomax was born in Canberra. Yes, son of John Lomax, who played for the Canberra Raiders. He's now one of the better tight heads in New Zealand. You know, you know, he played half a dozen played half a dozen Test matches, and is really pushing for that number three jersey. With the All Blacks. So, you know, I guess two two out of a out of a big system is, you know, you might not think is a big deal, but those two guys potentially world class. Like I, look, Max suits Max suits the style of play that Island want to play. Their wingers play loose. They allow them to roam. They allow them to come in and fir- come into first receiver, look look for work. Our system it tends to be, unless you're Marika Corabetti, that you stand out on the edge and you kind of just wait for the ball to get to you. That's fine. The The funny thing is, I think Mac, I still think his best position is fly half or fullback. I, and I don't think wing is, is natural to him, but as I said, rolls up, first test match, unreal try assist to Bundyaki, and there you go. He's, he's Irish Mac now. Maybe, you know, hopefully I can get him on this podcast. We can talk about it. But, yeah, it's rough. Anyway, it's my Mac rant done. Key-ins. Sefo Kautai, Fred Kahia, Ed Kennedy, Rod Iona, Hudson Crichton, Chris Fowl-Sortia, Ollie Sapsford, Cam Clark, and Jesse Mogg. So there's a couple of guys I like here. Chris Fowl-Sortia, lots of potential, never quite. Never quite got it right the last time around. Jesse Mogg, another guy who honestly, like, I, I remember talking to some guys from New Zealand, uh, administrators, coaches, and they were like, Jesse Mogg is legit. He, like, he is legit. Uh, they were all scared of him. And particularly, you know, his kicking game was good. But the way the way he would hit the ball outside the winger or outside the outside center and just take off into space. And they were always worried about him on kick returns. I, I remember one day I was I was playing here locally. He he played for Wests and kicked the ball. Our dumb fly half kicked <laughs> our dumb fly half kicked the ball straight down the middle of the field. And Jesse grabbed it and ran straight back down the middle of the field untouched and scored under the post. I haven't seen you know, I played a lot of first grade footy around the world and, and premier footy and I've not seen, you know, I think I've only seen that once, maybe twice. Actually, Mac Hansen did it. I wasn't playing, but he did it as well. So someone who can do that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. Um, and I think I think the, the other in that we need to probably talk about is Stephen Larkham. You know, that that was a disaster last time around. Um, yeah, Ma- maybe he's gone to Ireland and figured it out, but I don't know. I guess time will tell. Time will tell. 
So we look at this front row, James Slipper, Connell McInerney, and Alan Alatoa. James Slipper uh, has come on, you know, he, he's he's become really, really solid in that number one jumper. Um, you know, not not just for the for the Brumbies, but but for the Wallabies as well. And, you know, the hard thing here is, you know, he 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 eats up a lot of Scott Scott CO's minutes. Um but Scotty, I thought last year just, you know, I don't know if he had. Yeah, and look, I love Scotty. Scotty's my dude. I played with Scotty. Um, I played with is probably not the right word. He took my my spot a couple of times uh, in between his his Wallabies tests. But you know, had a, he's had a, he's had a lot of wear and tear on his body now. You know, he he came. Yeah, you know, he only started playing in the front row as as sort of a sixteen or probably not even like seventeen year old. For that, he's a back rower, and so. You know, cracked it early, um, has played a lot of test footy, has had knee injuries, back injuries, hip injuries, groin injuries. Um, so, you know, last year he just it looked like some of that wear and tear had caught up with him. I hope that's not the case, but, you know, it's hard. Um, so James Slipper gets the nod here. Connell McInerney in the two jumper, another guy I played with, um, local, local Canberra guy, which is always good, but... You know, there's two guys waiting in the wings there in in Lachlan Lonigan and Billy Pollard. Um, you know, who both just as easily could could take that spot. And then we also forget about Falau Fianga, who's 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 been really solid. He, it's just there's a whole crop of young hookers in, in Canberra that are that are nipping at his heels. So, be really interesting to see how that shakes out. And I, I guess the the big thing too is like. You know, that two jump is wide open for the Wallabies. So whoever can throw the straightest line-out ball gets it, in my view. And then Alan Alatoa, statesman of the game. Um, you know, he, he's the skip. He'll play he, He'll play a lot of minutes, you know, and he's just solid, super solid tight head. My view at the moment is the best scrummaging tight head in Australia. There are some – there's another tight head who maybe can take that, that in the mantle we can talk about in a minute. Um, he's certainly not the most athletic or skilled. I think we all know who I'm talking about, who that is, but I think he's the best scrummaging option. Um, and at least in the short term, gives our set piece, Brumbies and Wallabies set piece, the best chance at, at, at you know, doing its job. Um, if we shift across to the second row, Darcy Swain and Cadern Neville. So Darcy, Darcy came on in leaps and bounds last year. I feel like a broken record. There's another guy I played with. Um, shouts to Tuggeranong Vikings. Um, but, yeah, just really, really good. I, 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 lo- I love his game. He's solid. He's aggressive. He's big, fast, huge feet. Size 18 feet or something, something silly. Uh, and just, yeah, you know, I think this this is the year where he really cements himself as – a world-class second rower. And I truly believe that. You know, he's already elite come line-out time, but the, I think the rest of it is going to come uh, this year, you know, tackling, ball-carrying, you know, being that big, abrasive, aggressive bully in the second row. Good on Neville. Um, I, think, I think he's good. I think, you know, uh, he, he's just solid. He's going to do his job, make tackles, Get up in the line out, hit rucks, 
And if he gets an opportunity, he'll carry that ball forward. He'll take it forward for you. So I, I like this pairing. Uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of guys in the system that maybe get an opportunity. Tom Hooper, you know, he's another dude, young guy. Uh, he actually played in a Wallabies trial either last year or the year before when they had that possibles probables thing. I think he's only 21. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him feature here. Um, he's been incredible playing locally again for the Tuggeranong Vikings. God, you guys are getting you guys are getting so many shouts today. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think he's he's the potential long term. But I think Neville is is going to do a really good job, you know, as that custodian. And and he's not going to give that jersey up. But but I think he'll have to at some point. And then you know th- this I like this back row. I really like this back row. Uh, so Pete Samu, Rob Valentini, and and Jerome Brown. So Pete Pete Samu for the Wallabies has really cemented himself in that sort of nineteen or twenty jumper. Just comes on energy, you know, makes some breaks up the middle, like, you know. So, so I'd like, I'd really like to see him be able to do that for a full game. You know, he's another guy who plays really loose, but I think that's the system that the Brumbies run, where they have the six and the seven or the eight, depending on who who's playing out in the out in the fifteen meter channels. And so Pete Samu scores an incredible amount of tries, um, but perhaps. He could pick up his work rate in the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, you know that that might help put him above someone like Rob Leota or Lockie Swinton uh, in that Wallabies six jersey. Rob Valentini was incredible last season, and for the Wallabies, another guy's come along in leaps and bounds. Just so good. Um, I really like his game. He's aggressive, carries hard, tackles hard. Uh, he's a pest at the breakdown. Like you know, he he he's one of those, one of those guys. He's a he's a. I uh, don't want to call him world class yet. He's shown glimpses, but I think you know he he's another guy who can take a jump this year and really, really put a stamp on that eight jersey and and separate himself even further from from someone like Harry Wilson, Jerome Brown. We haven't seen a lot of Jerome Brown, um, in the seven jersey, so he he he's got a comparable game to Pete Samu. Um, likes to play a bit loose. He, he's a bit more of a fetcher. Um, you know, he, he'll get, he'll put his head into some rucks and try and create some turnovers. But I don't, I don't think he needs to be that guy. Like I think the three of them can all do it. So I don't think they need an out and out number seven. I think between the three of them, they'll figure out who's going to take the bulk of the carries, who's going to be the pest at the breakdown, and and who's going to pick up the work rate defensively. So you know, I, I like this back row. Um, you know this this back row could, we could see, um, well, two of these three guys we could see as as part of a Wallabies back row. Um, and you know you never know, Jer- Jerome Brown might might make that jump too. Um, Harves, Nick White, Noah Lalesio, pretty pretty easy there. You know Noah Noah has been on an upward pro- trajectory, um, and I think having Quade Cooper back in the fold to kind of mentor him a bit is going to help. Uh, Nick White's been solid for a long time. The, I like Lonigan, Ryan Lonigan, brother of Lachlan. I think Ryan has a more consistent pass and is a better, you know, better kicker, better goal kicker, better general play kicker. But I think they're going to stick with Nick uh, for that experience for the minute. And then you know we know what Noah can do. Noah's shown flashes of of being elite. Um, 
And so this is another opportunity, another year under his belt um, to hopefully, you know, get to a point where he can really, he can he can really push Quade Cooper for that ten jumper come come the World Cup next year. Iray Simoni, Lenny Kitao. Iray Simoni is really solid. Like straightens the attack, shifts the ball when he needs to shift it. Really good defensively. Um, you know, I think. He's probably been a bit unlucky not to feature more for the Wallabies. Um, but I like, you know, these two guys really complement each other. Len Iketau, um, yeah, you, you guys are going to stop listening, but played with Len. Um, and, you know, he's he's now starting to show you guys some of the stuff that, that he was doing um, at the club level, you know, so some of his offloading is just ridiculous. Like as a you know as a back rower, or a, or a winger or fullback who's playing outside him, like you just you just need to be ready. Like it'll it'll pop up at some point. It'll pop up. You just need you just need to have your hands up and and hope it sticks because he's incredible at freeing up an arm, freeing up an upper body, and just flicking that ball out. Um, so you know. And, and, and as I said, he started to show that at, at the Wallabies level. So, you know, I, I think if he can continue on this up uptick, um, you know, he's a, he's a 13 for, for a long time for the Wallabies. Um, and then back row, Tom Wright, Tom Banks, Jesse Mogg. Andy Muirhead is a little bit unlucky here, but I think given Jesse's kicking game and his experience now overseas and then... Tom Wright as well, you know, with what he showed us uh, with his opportunities with the Wallabies, I think it's going to be really hard. Um, and, you know, unless you're, going to, unless you're going to move Tom Banks, you move Jesse to fullback and give, give Andy one of the wing spots, I, I think it's just going to be hard. Because um, Tom Banks is, you know, Tom Banks still has to be in the conversation for that, for that Wallabies fullback spot. Um, so, you know, I, I like this back, this back three for a couple of reasons. Tom Wright gives you the flair. Tom Banks gives you, you know, stability, speed at the back. And then Jesse Mogg, you know, in a way is kind of a wild card. He's so fast. Um, and I assume he's maintained that. But then, you know, he he can create he can he can create pressure through his kicking game. So you know on kick returns, like he can put the ball in behind in behind the the opposition you know 10 15 meters behind them just because of how far he kicks the ball um, you know which we know throughout a game creates creates pressure so uh, are they the best team yep uh, no I, I think I think it's really close between them and and the Reds and we'll talk about the Reds in a sec and I think it could go either way. I think if Nick Nick Berry, <laughs> if you're listening, Nick Berry, I think if if we can avoid a game where Nick Berry referees the Brumbies and the Reds, um, then I think maybe the result goes the other way. But you know, you you, you got to consider too, and and we'll 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 do this in a sec. You got to consider too, like if we if we now pull up the Reds, like they have got such a young team as well. Um, you know, now with some experience, it's going to, that you'd, you'd anticipate are going to take another jump. And the other thing, so if we pull up, the, just pull up the transfers here. 
they're they're returning a huge portion of their squad. So they're only turning over three players in BPA, Brandon Panga, Ramosa, Bryce Hegarty and, and Moses Sarovi. And, you know, BPA and, and Hegarty were solid contributors. Um, you know, BPA, I think I think they'll miss him, but the other two, Bryce and and, and Sor- or Hegarty and and Sarovi, like, you know, they they I feel like they've got the cattle to replace them. And then, you know, you look at the guys coming in. Spencer Jeans, Tom Liner, Lepetti, Fua, and George Blake. The name that really stands out to me there is Tom Liner. You know, you've seen, you've probably seen what uh, his dad was was doing for, for Queensland many years ago. You've probably seen what his brother Lewis is doing uh, in England. So if Tom's got, you know, 75, 80, 90% of, of what his dad and his brother have, like, you know he he could he could be that that next ten like he could he could knock someone like Noel Alessio off off that perch. So yeah, I mean, look, let's have a look at at, at their side, and I'll tell you. So Fel Fotuika, <laughs> Alex Murphy, and Taniela Tupo. So look, Murphy for me, I, I feel like Hooker's the really weak spot here because Murphy can't hit the backside of a barn with with his throw. Um, and you know, you've heard this is a common theme with with hookers in Australia. Maybe it's because they're all converted back rowers, but they just they're not. They particularly in pressure situations, they don't seem to be able to hit their target. But look, Alex Marvey's solid. He, he's played a, a lot of Super Footy uh, already, so I think he starts the year there. You know, there maybe there's someone who who come and push him for 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 playing time, but I, I think he's the guy. Um, Fotuaika really played himself into the one jersey last year. Um, I think you know he's another guy who's really solid. He he's he's an athlete too. It just it's just unfortunate he's playing next to Taniela Tupo because you know he he's a good ball carrier. He's good in defence. He's a solid scrummager. And then we look at. Taniela Tupo, who's probably the most talented tight head prop ever in terms of just the natural physical gifts that he has. And if if his scrummaging develops to a point where he's even just solid um at the at the international level, like, you know, we you know yeah, we're gonna be talking about him as one of the greatest ever. And look, I've written about this before. Taniella, he defaults to one one style of scrummaging, which is yeah, it's a little bit illegal. Um, but he's getting away with it, so power to him. But at the international level, and we've seen this against France, we've seen this against the All Blacks, we've seen this against South Africa, and we've seen it against England now. Because he defaults to that. Some of these better props have worked it out and can now can now negate his effectiveness at, at scrum time. So, and, and look, I, I want to point out this isn't Taniella's fault. We need to develop this um, for him, as as the the Australian coaching setup system needs to now go. Okay, Taniella, you're an incredible athlete, so skilled, fast, strong. 
big work rate, fit, whatever, we need to get your scrummaging right. If he gets his scrummaging right, we've got the best tight end in the world. Backing those guys up, Luca and Solakai Loto and Angus Blythe, two, again, really solid. You know, Lucan to me, is a little bit frustrating because I think I think he he is much better than than he thinks he is um, or maybe not as good as he thinks he is, which is why, you know, sometimes he goes missing in games. I really like his frame. I really like his skill set. I like when he gets angry because he starts throwing that big body around. Uh, Angus Blight's really solid, you know, set-piece specialist in terms of the line-out. Um, really solid there. And, and I guess another guy who does a lot of, of work uh, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily get rewarded. So I'm excited to see these two again this year. Now this back row, bruh. 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 Like, so you, you're looking at this, and then they've got Scott Young as well. Um, so Fraser McWright. Harry Wilson and Liam Wright, like, like man, I just I I look I look at these guys and I feel like you know the these guys are just going to be so good for so long at the Reds, like they're not they're not even close to they're not even close to their potential, like no they haven't even scratched the surface, and they they yet haven't had. A lot of opportunity to play together, um, you know, through injuries and, and all of that. So if these if these three guys, even just for like the next two or three years, can stay healthy, with Scott Robinson as well, like the rest <laughs> the rest of Super Rugby is is on blast in Australia at least. Like you know, these guys are elite, um, and they're only going to get better, and they're only going to learn more about each other, more about their opposition. And, yeah, so, you know, these guys frighten me as a Brumbies fan, but excite me as a Wallabies fan. Let's put it that way. Harves, Tate McDermott, James O'Connor. You know, James O'Connor, like, redemption story of the century. You know, he's he's figured it out finally. Um, You know, one Super Rugby player of the player of the year, Australian Super Rugby player of the year, like, you know, was probably unlucky. Um... Not probably was unlucky. He got injured, um, which sort of opened the door for Quade Cooper. Uh, you know, maybe thankfully. Um, but yeah, you know he he's he's the best fly half in Australia uh, for me. And then Tate McDermott, I just like him. Great pass. Seems like a good leader. Vocal at the back. Decent kick. He's got a running game, uh, and he makes good decisions with his running game too. So, you know, to me, this is the best halves pairing in the competition. And, you know, they're potentially going to play a lot of football together um, for the Wallabies as well, pending Guido Law. So, yeah. And then centers, Hamish Stewart, Hunter Paisami. So, I, you know, I think, I think, this, I think Hunter Paisami features in there somewhere. 13, 12, doesn't really matter. And I think they just need to figure out what they do around him. Hamish Stewart did a really good job um, for periods last year. They've got another guy, Isaac Henry, um, who did a really good job. 
you know, maybe Tom Liner comes in and, and, and turns himself into a 12. Like, I, I don't know. You know, maybe Jordan Pattaya jumps back into to being a, a, an outside centre and, and Baisami goes back to, to 12. So I, I don't know. But what I'm saying is they've got options. And I guess it's really just about what Dave Rennie wants Baisami doing. Um, because, yeah, there were patches w- with the Wallabies where he was incredible. Um Patches where he wasn't so good, but that's all part of the part of the learning curve. And and you know, yeah, the 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 Reds to me have the most flexibility in the centers uh, and probably the highest ceiling too. You know, Hamish Stewart's solid. Is he going to play for Australia? I doubt it. Is he going to be world class? I don't think so. But he's good enough to play in between Paisami and O'Connor. And free up opportunities for those two to do their thing, um, as well as the next three guys we're about to talk about in Filippo Dongunu, Jordan Pattaya, and Suliasi Vunivalu. So there's a there's a report that came out today that Pattaya's the guy they're looking at at fullback. Um, you know, and and I think we've been robbed a little bit with Pattaya just because he he hasn't. He hasn't been able to play. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. And there's probably a thousand reasons for that. You know, you could tell me he came in too early. You could tell me, you know, he's got a funny gait, whatever. I, I, I don't really care. It's We've just been robbed and, and we haven't – we haven't had the opportunity to, to watch him and he hasn't had the opportunity to find his home. You know, he's played in the centres. He's played on the wing. You know, now they're going to ask him to play fullback. So I hope this works because I think this back three could be incredible and especially given what I just said about the centers and the halves, you know, this, this back line is going to cause some some real issues. But, yeah, I think, you know, we just got to give Jordan Pattaya some time. You know, Filippo Dongunu, he's been really good a couple of years. He's he's done his job for the Wallabies. He's done his job for the Reds. And Suliasi Vunivalu, we, we haven't seen – really yet what he's capable of in our game. I, I don't think he's completely unlocked, you know, rugby union yet. Um, and I think for most guys, it probably takes a year or two. You know, you look at probably everyone who's done that conversion, you know, it was maybe two seasons, maybe three, before they'd really figured out the game, unless they'd played before in in, in the case of someone like Matt Rogers. But, you know, even Lottie Takiri, um, Wendell Saylor, uh, to to Tahu, you know, it took them a little while to just figure out the game. So I think we get to see that this year. But again, it, it really depends, you know, so if Jordan Pattaya slides back to the wing, you know, does does Jock Campbell come back in or or, or whoever um, at fullback? Or does 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 um does Hamish Stewart drop back there and yeah anyway. I think the Reds have got the most potential and they've also got the most flexibility, which is pretty scary as as a as a Brumbies Brumbies fan. So again, I think the Reds end up the top Australian based team, but I think it is very close between the Reds and the Brumbies. So I guess if we're gonna recap, I'm gonna say Reds, Brumbies, Force, Waratahs, Rebels. Suck it, Rebels. <laughs> All right. 
And now before I go, because I always get asked to do this and I always cop a lot of shit on Reddit, so I don't know why I do this to myself, but here is the Give em Liam podcast, cover.com.au, preseason Wallabies side. From 1 to 15, Angus Bell, Felidi Kaituu, because I just think that jersey is wide open and it could be anyone, but he's my guy right now. Alan Alaatoa, Darcy Swain, Matt Phillip, Rob Leota, Rob Valentini, Michael Hooper, because I just feel like they they are the perfect complement to each other. But I guess we'll see what happens and, and how that Reds back row um, progresses. Tate McDermott and Quade Cooper. I think, you know, Lalesio and O'Connor are unlucky here. And maybe you figure out a way to play Cooper and, and O'Connor together. You know, maybe maybe O'Connor plays some fullback. I don't know. But just given what Quade did, I just don't think we can we can count him out. I, I, like, I I just think he he's our guy. You know, um, and then in the centres, Karevi and Ikitao, Hunter Paisami's really unlucky here. And and I think. Again, it's just it just depends on what happens with this Gido Law stuff. So, you know, if Karevi's out, then I think Paisami is the twelve with Len outside him. And and I think, you know, Karevi's a bigger a bigger guy, but but Baisami's a similar kind of player uh, in what he gives. And then yeah, Jordan Pataya, Kurtley Beal, Andrew Callaway. So yeah, maybe that's a bit of a cop out with, with Pataya on one wing. But I, I you know, I think you have to have Callaway there. Give him what he did, uh, and if that continues, and then I think if Kurtley Bill plays, if if he comes back, you know I think he's still the guy in the fifteen jersey. But you know, depending on what on how Pataya goes, you know maybe he he ends up there. Kurt's on the bench, and and we got Dungunu or or you know uh, Vunivalu or Mog or whoever uh, as 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 another winger. So you know I lo- look at this team, and I like this team. Is this team? This year, going to beat the All Blacks three times or two times? I don't think so. But given the players that we have waiting in the wings, I think next year we're a chance. Yeah, you heard it here first. I think next year, 2023, leading into a World Cup, I think we'll be peaking. If everyone stays healthy, and if everyone continues on this uptick. All right. And I've been talking for an hour and a half. Hopefully you guys are still listening. If not, I don't care. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I do care. So what I want you to do is subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to the Covers YouTube channel. Go follow the cover. If I ever get around to setting up a Give em Liam podcast, Instagram, Facebook, whatever page, I want you to follow that. And I... I want you to get pumped. We're, we're, we're only a few days away from Super Rugby starting up again. I know it's going to be a weird season again. We're going to play each other first and then and then the Kiwi sides, but just get pumped. Like It's back. It's different. Yes, we don't have the South Africans, but it's back. And we need to get behind it because if we don't get behind it, I think it disappears. I think... Players head overseas where there are crowds and there are money. 
the sponsors walk away, the broadcasters walk away, and we're left with semi-professional rugby here in Australia. So let's get behind it, buy a ticket, wear your face mask, wash your hands, buy a Stan Sports subscription, watch it on Channel 9 if you don't want to buy a Stan Sports subscription, and let's, let's get it. All right, thank you to the cover. Thank you to producer. <laughs> and I really, really hope you, you you tune in for more because this is going to be a really, really, really fun podcast. I'm telling you. I promise you. Thank you for listening to the bonus episode. I will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.